0: This week we're talking about the Hideous Laughter Podcast's thrilling conclusion to book one of the Carrion Crown Adventure Path. We do another double creature feature on the Mosswater Marauder and the Splattermen, then answer some listener questions. I'm your host Steve in studio with your GM and my co-host Griffin, Roll a Wheel Save, you're in the zone of truth.
1: And we're back, episode three. Episode three. Episode we, three. We made it. Can you believe that this podcast has been going on for literally almost a month? I know. I
0: think that people are going to look back at these first three episodes and probably refer to them as the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity. Yeah, probably because they're like the only three that. <laughs> yeah, that will ever happen. Yep. And then the rest of these will be unlistenable content as we uh, devolve as human beings. From all the alcohol consumption.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's been been one of those weekends, Steve. Yep. I'm coming off a four-day bender. I feel terrible and am, uh, therefore, drinking a coffee today.
1: Drinking a coffee. I have a coffee, and I'm mixing that with a delicious capriccio. That's an ambitious duo. Sangria and coffee is not... A normal combo, but we pretty much drank all of the alcohol in my house this weekend, so I had to bum off of Haley's stash. Ooh, boy. And now that you had that first sip, how's that going with that coffee? It's really bad. It's really bad? Yep. I don't, I don't recommend it to anybody. Uh, I don't recommend that you take the life choices that we've taken and run with them because it's rough. Yeah. We do it to ourselves. It's our own fault. Yeah, I know.
0: Yeah. It's just uh, how I like to spend my free time. <laughs> Mixing, uh, mixing caffeine and booze until I can't function anymore, and then have to go back to work. That's that pretty much summarizes all my weekends.
1: Yep, it's a circle of life, and we have a guest here, but what is his name? Good segue,
0: Griffin. To me, he's my old college roommate and the dude that got me into TTRPGs. To you all at home, he's matumbelover Lover sixty nine on the Discord, Talonius Monk on all other platforms and our part-time live studio audience. He's the first guest that we're having outside of the the podcast, folks, on the yep. show. Welcome to the show, Tim.
1: Oh, thanks. Hey, Tim. Hello, listeners. Hey. hey. How's it going? It's going pretty good. You, you look a little uncomfortable next to that mic. How's it, how's it going? Yeah. You're used to, used to being off mic in mm-hmm. the background for these. This is true. I generally prefer to yell really loud, so I'm going to have to keep my
2: voice down. I also, it it made sound
0: check very difficult.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You need to stop screeching, Tim.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh. It's uh well what I understand is you're gonna modulate my voice later, right, to mask my identity.
1: Well you told me you yes. wanted to be one of the ghosts in Harrowstone, so I was actually just gonna give you that echo effect that we've been perfect. using. Perfect.
0: perfect. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know that Tim is actually a lady and we've just changed his uh his voice to have a nice sultry uh man voice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a I'm a fan of it. Yeah. In post-processing. In post Yeah, like once you listen back to yeah, this, you're going to be like, right. wow, I really sound like a man. Man, what a fucking time to be alive. <laughs> we can do anything with audio these days. Except make it good. <laughs> Except make it good. Yeah, I mean, the content needs to be there, and, and sometimes it's just not. But Speaking of which. Speaking of which. <laughs> all right, so in my little intro to Tim... Getting him on the show. I alluded to the fact that he got me into TTRPGs. Uh, basically all the things that I love in my life that are super nerdy came from Tim and, uh, my life has changed for the better. Um, but Tim, you have a long and storied history with tabletop gaming and just gaming in general. Yeah. I mean, what gives,
2: man? First of all, I do want to say that the nerdiness that is Star Wars is completely owned by you. And that's that's actually where this story starts, if you remember. Because we were in college. I've always wanted to play TTRPGs. And it was one of those things where I didn't know anybody that played it. And so I think this is encouragement for some of you guys out there. Like Sometimes you just need to read the book and be like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to GM. And I'm going to get my friends who are also interested, but know nobody that knows how to play. Mm -hmm. And we're going to play a game. So we did that at our house... Uh, our junior year or something like that that's right we played the star wars rpg the invasion of using vong on some random planet which is like expanded universe crap from uh i mean uh, beautiful novels and novellas from that take place several years after the original trilogy
0: and i remember i remember those, those those couple sessions we had and i was just like furious like what, what what do you mean I have to roll to hit and then roll my damage? I'm a <laughs> Jedi. <What the> hell.
1: <laughs> I'm a Jedi. How, how am
0: I how am I doing three points of damage with a lightsaber? That's garbage. Why am I <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like it definitely uh
2: definitely takes some getting used to. It's like mm-hmm. you're a level one Padawan. Alright? Like Calm down. Calm down. Yeah. Um so that was really fun. And that was that was like we were all newbies. I believe that session ended with uh a fight on like a speeder where our Wookiee companion was like the only one left alive with any hit points and you were driving over stormtroopers or other enemies of some sort with the land speeder uh, because you had like everybody was like dead or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a fun session but that that was the that was the spark into TTRPGs and I didn't play it until after college, like I didn't play any Pathfinder or anything,
1: at which, ooh, am I in it? A- what was that? What was that? It's me, uh, are, we, are we transported back to Digaba?
0: Whoa. Oh, my gosh. If if only, if only. hop down in that dark side cave, <laughs> really learn a lot about myself in there. That'd be cool. But no, I just put on some Sirenscape. This is the Ankle Deep in the Swamp uh, set from the Swamp Package. Oh, the whole Swamp Package. Yeah. I would say right now, when it comes to TTRPGs,
2: I am ankle-deep in the swamp.
0: Yeah. It's Tim, a, Tim, you're crushing these transitions. It's a beautiful swamp. Crushing the metaphor. Would you, would you say,
2: this is my swamp? This is my swamp. Please get out of my swamp. Get out of my swamp. <laughs> uh, no, it is a, it's a collect- collective swamp
0: uh, story experience. Mm-hmm. And um, long story short, so you're dipping your toes in the swamp with 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 I'm it, just, yeah. with, with, the, with the Star Wars and TTRPG. And all of a sudden, you're
1: fucking Princess Fiona in the swamp.
0: Exactly. Tell me how that trans. Tell me how that happens.
2: So after college, I wanted to stay in contact with some friends, uh, mm-hmm. and we knew we were going to be apart, and we knew that we all wanted to play some Pathfinder. So I got out, um, you know, went on the internet, like, what's the best Pathfinder game to to play? Like, which adventure path? I got into Rise of the Rune Lords. That's the one that's always recommended to uh, first-time GMs and players alike. Started playing Rise of the Rune Lords, Came here to Columbus, and I was uh, rooming with Steve at the time. Good time. And I was like, you guys, this game is amazing. We should try it out. I got the beginner box on the Humble Bundle. We should play it this weekend. And I think uh, it must have been pretty recently when Brooks... Had actually moved to town, but we ended up yeah. uh, we ended up playing through the beginner box. Loved it. Got into Rise of the Rune Lord since it was an easy for me, since I had prepared it for my other group, and uh, that's where the whole cascade started. We started playing Rise uh, in Columbus. I started playing D and D Five E with my friends. We tried some other systems. I tried like Shadow of the Demon Lord, which is really cool, uh, sort of dark fantasy setting, and it's a whole system in itself. Mm-hmm. uh starfinder when starfinder came out and uh I'm playing a wrath of the righteous campaign with uh, my friends from college as well which is a ton of fun and um yeah there's there's almost yeah I almost have like three games going on a week it seems like oh yeah and, um, oh yeah it's the dream yeah it is the dream and it is really fun being back in Columbus and being able to do stuff like this too and and talk about the podcast on air it's Hell pretty yeah, sweet man. How are and on? I'm uh, loving Carrying Crown
1: and uh, this, uh, this, this podcast as well. I have a question for you. Uh, how, how did you deal with uh, GMing these garbage people for uh, nearly three years? Because it's already <laughs> starting to make me go bald.
2: Yeah, I feel you, Griffin. I feel you. I think uh, – <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Steve. Aw.
1: <laughs>
2: no, honestly, I couldn't ask for a better group. Like I started out, and guys, we kind of had, I'm, I'm right here. I <laughs> know no, Steve. Steve's blushing. Uh, what are you guys yeah. doing under the, the table right now? Stop. <laughs>
1: Stop.
2: <laughs> but yeah, uh, I would say starting out, we kind of had to deal with some people didn't really know what they're getting into. Like the, my online group, it's even yeah. harder to role play, and so we ended up. Uh, Dropping one person, and then like adding a couple people, and then a couple pe- dro- people dropped out. And that first rise of the Rune
0: Lords game. So did you did you kick somebody out of your group, or did they kind of naturally like
2: they went other ways or whatever? Exactly, it kind of happens like they don't show up, and we're like, oh well, it's been a while. Why don't we just play without them? And then yeah. eventually, you know, you realize that that person's just not as committed, and so it really came from them. Yeah, uh, luckily most of the time, like I'm just not really into this. Yeah. Um, and so they dropped out of the campaign. I, I, not a lot of drama, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Mm-hmm. But um, when it came to you and Brooks and Emily, it was like everybody was locked in. And I think we started listening to some other podcasts as well yep. as a way to like learn how to role play and stuff. And that really helped us uh, lock into all the... Uh, the nerdiness that is Pathfinder and uh, role
0: playing. Yeah, I, I, I look at, at on those like first couple years living in Columbus with so much fondness because like the, the four of us knew virtually no other people in the city. And so it was like we would just go to the pool, get day drunk, then play Pathfinder all night long. It's so much fun.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it got to the point where it was unsustainable. I was like, guys, we need to cut back because I can't prepare this much. And, uh, <laughs> it's like Wednesday night, we're
0: going to play all night. Friday, we're playing Pathfinder. Saturday, we're <laughs> playing Pathfinder. It's the same campaign. Yeah, it's a ton of prep.
1: Yeah. Luckily, I had prepped that mm-hmm. that uh, same book before, so it was easier. But... Now we do roughly the same amount, but at least it's spread off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. different games. True. True.
2: That helps. Different GMs, too. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, I think that's been that's been the coolest part for me, and like you know, we'll have kind of the equivalent of you on the show for me, and it's been cool. Like you know, Steve's GM like for us, and like that kind of stuff. Like it's cool to see your players then kind of blossom from the influence. Like you know, I'm a new GM. But I took it and ran after, you know, Eric kind of showed me the way. And, like, you see Steve kind of making those steps. It's pretty cool. I'll, I'll get there soon. Baby steps. We'll something, yeah. Baby steps. Like, like, Haley, like, running a whole campaign after, I mean, we're almost done, Dead Sons. We're getting there. It's, like, it's cool to see. Mm-hmm. It's nice that you actually get to play in some stuff, too. Like, I feel like you and I are really fortunate in that way. Or like yeah. we can GM like a really cool campaign and yeah, maybe we GM a lot of time, but like I'm a player in two campaigns. you're at least a player in one like it's nice to be able to kind of flex on the other side of the table a little bit.
2: yeah, it really is and it's kind of nice too because when you get to be a player in someone else's game, you see what you like about their style and you add it to your own or you change some sure. things that you've been doing like, um that's great reason to listen to podcasts as well uh, to get some inspiration sure. and how to be a better GM and so that that's really fun and it be jamming also kind of changes how you play your character
0: a lot yeah. of times. Now 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 Tim you you mentioned a whole bunch of systems a couple minutes ago and you mentioned that you're in three to three games a week now or something. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Now What's the breakdown, player GM split? So you're obviously GMing our Return of the Rune Lords game. Yep. What else are you GM? What else are you playing in? I'm
2: also GMing Dead Sons, uh which is that Starfinder Adventure Path.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that um, weird one. Never heard of that one. Yeah, that <laughs>
2: there's uh, virtually no content out there. For I, dead Sons.: I'm surprisingly. struggling to find Dead Suns <laughs> <sides> content. <laughs> I mean, hard to, uh, hard to turn away from uh, Paizo releasing a new system in sci-fi fantasy. Mm-hmm. So, had to do Dead Sons. Of course. And uh, we're in book four, I think. We're just starting book five mm-hmm. of Dead Sons. And then I'm also in... So, my other group is up in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I spent a lot of time up there. So, I lived there all of last year. And a lot of people there are relatively new as well to CTRPGs. So I have some, some actual like veteran members. But we have been playing a lot more of the sort of open-ended systems. Right now, we're playing a D&D 5e game, which is definitely a lot more grounded. But there's, there's certain systems like Dungeon Worlds mm-hmm. or this one we played called Blades in the Dark. Um, a lot of them are power of the, powered by the Apocalypse games. The 2 d six. Yeah, the two D six. There's no map, uh, stuff like that. So
0: I can't even
1: imagine.
2: Yeah, it's a lot different.
1: Need my maps.
2: <laughs> Surprisingly, I think it's a lot more challenging uh, from like a player's perspective. To because you, it's almost like having a box of rules to play in allows you. For me, it allows me to have more creative uh, abilities, more options. Mm-hmm rather than this open sandbox. So that's just my personal preference is to play things like Pathfinder.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people that play Pathfinder enjoy it for that reason. It's like, you know, I don't feel like the GM is forcing me to drown when there are mechanics for me to not drown. Whereas when it's like, okay, there's one role and... I may or may not get to make that role in one of these other systems okay that kind of feels like you know it's a kind of subjective call rather than and
2: and it makes it very challenging for the GM I think to make sure that you know the story's good but the things that everybody's doing still feels like fair and
1: powerful Mm -hmm. Um, so I I would imagine a system like that would be hard to I guess not start to play favorites yeah in a sense because it's like you're a GM, I'm a GM, invariably somebody just starts to shine in like their role play or something yeah. that they're doing and you either really like their character or they're just bringing a lot to the table and it's not always even. Yeah. So I feel like with a system like that... Guys, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that that alone. Um, I just feel like with a system that is not as rules driven it's really easy to fall down that trap of favoring a character just because they're a really good character and a really compelling character and I would worry that would it would make things less fun
2: yeah and it's it's also it goes both ways it's hard to give someone who maybe is a little shyer in role playing an opportunity to shine because they don't they feel like they don't really know what to do um, and so it's hard for you to do that without you know Making them shine mechanically, which, in my opinion, translates to good role-playing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think we digress a little bit there, but we I'm basically <laughs> in that group. Steve, um, you're supposed to well,
0: rein this in. No, but I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just loving what I'm getting from Tim. I'm getting the good vibes. I'm <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm letting this happen organically. <laughs> okay. I could yeah. talk about game systems for a long time. You can. Yeah.
2: I love game mechanics. I love reading new systems. Mm-hmm. Feng Shui is a system that we tried one time that I've always wanted to try out because uh, I love the idea. That was so much
0: fun. Um, was not that wasn't that Feng Shui like night just GMing and then just just me and Brooks playing? Yeah yeah, it was think, great. yeah because Emily couldn't make it so we we're like, let's let's try this out. and, and we had no other friends. So we're, I mean we're you fun. know
2: <laughs> keep it keep it uh, keep it tight. the circles. Keep that's keep the circles tight
0: and that's exactly <laughs> what we were trying to do <laughs> absolutely absolutely. So we did digress from the question a little bit, but you've got GM experience on one end, you've got player experience on the other yeah, end. Yeah. You're you're working both during during the Working Man's Week. Um, wh- where do you like to play? So, I, and I mean I mean that question in in a sense of like what what genre do you like to play in? What's your what's your preferred setting? I know we we've, we've mentioned Starfinder and Star Wars and stuff, but you know we're playing all these real high fantasy pathfinder games. What what do you like to do? That is a good question. Uh,
2: I'm going to open my beer for that one. Okay.
1: Yay. Ooh. Someone else is drinking with me. I think
2: I forgot to mention, but. What, what are you drinking, Tim? I'm drinking uh, a beer coming from BrewDog, which is a Scottish brewery that's recently come to Columbus. Highly recommend. It's called Elvis Juice. It's a grapefruit IPA. That is a wonderful beer. Yeah,
1: Elvis Juice gets raved about around here. It's
2: yeah. wonderful. It's great. I'm not even an IPA guy really, mm-hmm. and I like this.
1: Beer yeah, I a found lot. that. I found that that's pretty drinkable for me yeah. too. And I'm normally like stouts and porters type mm-hmm. of person. It's a good beer, man. Yeah, great so, beer. So, if you were going to take
0: that beer into your favorite fantasy setting, what would that be? So, I would
2: take it straight into. And it's hard because I love a lot of settings, but mm-hmm. I would probably say high fantasy is one of my favorite, um, as well as, like, sci-fi fantasy. Things like Star Wars, I think, fit into that category. And the reason being is I find that in these worlds, the um, the world building is something that I'm really drawn to. Sure. So if it's high fantasy, usually they have, like, a unique magic system. Yeah. They have, like, some other sort of, you know, maybe first world fey type thing going on that interacts with the world in some way. And there's kind of like some new rules that the author or whoever gets to play with. Um, and I really enjoy that in sci-fi. I think it's the same thing. Like I, I love star Wars and things like Dune and, um, Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, or even the expanse where they take an idea that's like, Hey, this is, maybe a speculative look at what earth and the solar system could look like after we get space travel and we've colonized some different areas in the solar system. So that kind of thing really draws me in. And I think high fantasy clicks a lot of those buttons for like interesting magic
0: systems and for sure. Yeah. And uh, interesting worlds. So yeah. yeah. Excellent, man. Well, we we love our fantasy too. We also love our horror. Are you I know a, you are, do. Are you a horror guy, Tim? So I, I don't, I don't like watching horror movies,
2: but I do like reading, like, horror stuff. And, like, I, there's something about, like, watching a movie that makes me uncomfortable and stressed out. That, oh, no. <laughs> when I'm reading a book, it's it's somehow okay. Uh-huh. I don't get it. But I,
1: just, I still do, like... Stephen King and don't get me started down yeah, that rabbit hole.
0: I know. I think we're going to have an entire zone of truth episode where we just have Griffin rave about Stephen King for
1: <laughs> in order. Yeah, you talking about uh TTRPG settings is me talking about uh Stephen King. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I'll leave that I'll leave that aside leave that one alone. <laughs> um but yeah, I'd have to say like horror genre for me I like, I like the classic horror monsters. I like suspense in my TTV RPGs, and I like haunts and all the stuff that's been going on in Carrion Crown. But for whatever reason, movies are the only thing where I'm like, ah, oh, I don't uh, don't want to
1: subscribe to that. I get you, man. I understand. I, I
0: love me my horror movies. We all know, I know. that. But I, I can understand your point of view. Yeah.
1: yeah, I can definitely see why you wouldn't. I mean, because me, as someone that enjoys horror movies, I enjoy that feeling. Yeah, And yeah. so... It's really just a matter of like, I like that feeling. You don't like that feeling. Like, you're going to get that feeling from a horror movie. So yeah, definitely. It's one of those things where it's just like, I understand how it's not everybody's cup of tea.
2: Yeah, and I, I know there's a lot of subgenres in horror too. Like I, I feel like there's kind of the gory horror and like the suspenseful. This could actually happen. Yep. I believe that's been discussed on uh, episode
0: one of Zone of Truth. Oh, do you yes. listen to our stuff, Tim? <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. But. <laughs> have you ever played in a horror game, TTRPG game? Um. So I'd have to think. I think. So book two, without too many spoilers,
2: of Rise of the Moon Lords kind of mm-hmm. gets into that creepy oh, horror dude. vibe. Yep.
1: Book two was my favorite book to GM.
2: Oh, yeah. I loved it. It was really, really good. Um, so that's probably my closest experience in DTRPGs with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I get it. I, I, I,
0: hey, I also like book two of Rise of the Moon Lords. Yeah. R- <laughs> what going going up, on record here. It's great.
2: What I loved about that was how they used horror to kind of – tell a story mm-hmm, that yeah. happened over the span of 80 plus
1: years. Yeah, the exposition uh, in those haunts was great. Yeah. Without spoiling anything, like that was really really well done mm-hmm. in that book how how you just and even even in like the order where you would likely encounter them played into like how the story of the haunts developed. It was kind of like, you know, if you're going in a standard room order, you're probably going to unfold this story in the correct way it's meant to be told. Yeah. So
2: yeah, I thought that was well
1: done. Definitely. I think that's one
2: of the key reasons that Paizo introduced haunts. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's, Oh yeah. They're like exposition traps. They're like traps that actually (laughs) fucking matter. So love that about Pathfinder and,
0: yeah. I lo- love how that book fits into the overarching story which is very high fantasy and then it's just like takes this hard left turn into horror but like it it works really well. It's yeah. smooth. It's great.
2: It's one of the one of the reasons I l- I think Rise is kind of one of those great for first time GM book or things because it kind of dips into a lot of different areas. Yeah, it
1: definitely lets you flex your muscles in a couple different types of fantasy and yeah. kind of, I mean that's how I learned that I really liked running horror. Tabletop was through book two of Rise of the Rune Lords. I was yeah, like, yeah. this is my favorite fucking thing to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to find an entire adventure path that's that. Yeah. And now we're doing it for the world to hear.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, Tim, what's your familiarity with Carrion Crown? Have you, have you have you read any of the books? Have you read any forums about it? I had never looked into running Carrion Crown. Mm-hmm. Uh I guess when it came
2: up that you guys were doing this podcast, I talked to you about what it was about generally. Uh Uh-huh. So I think um, that's the extent of my exposure. I've been purposely trying to stay off of any forums that discuss carrying crown because I kind of want to be surprised. Yeah. Um, But of course – you know jamming a lot of stuff you you get in your brain i'm like i wonder what was written and i wonder what griffin has added
1: what griffin tweaked Uh, around backstage
2: yeah so and that's part of the fun like i i listen to dead sons now um some podcasts from them and i'd say it's a lot more fun to not know what's gonna happen Uh, so i try to stay away from that
0: yeah i obviously i'm doing the same well yeah um well yeah i mean if you if you read the books as one of my players you get kicked right exactly and i'm trying to it's it's like when a new movie comes out or something that i really want to see like you know later this year when the new star wars comes out it's like uh, the week or two before i know that like your early critics and early reviewers and like screen tester people have already seen it and so like spoilers are just going to naturally come out before the movie and i just try and stay away yeah, don't want to I don't want to see or hear any of it because I all wanted to have it like naturally organically and just to really enjoy it
2: yeah and when it's all done I think I will go back and read the
0: books mm-hmm. just to see uh and kind of learn of, like how things unfolded I think that's really fun yeah I, I want to so bad I think I mean it'll be four years
1: from now at this pace yeah
0: <laughs> that, that I'll be able to go back and read the books but once at it's time. all said and done I would love to do that well I
1: think I think like that's one of the reasons why I love doing like the creature features in this show and stuff is mm-hmm. where I can I kind of get a moment to say like this is what I changed about this or oh, yeah. or, or yeah. I played this completely by the book because it's done. Mm-hmm. You know I I don't know how upset aside from the fact that they try and link it to a couple other books, but I don't know how upset I would be about like a player of mine reading book one and being like, oh, you did this like that's really interesting, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't listeners of the show now, I think, could read book one and get a good idea of like all of the things in our podcast that are seeds that I've planted that aren't in the book.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this is a great time to pivot into our double creature feature. We've been talking haunts, we've been talking horror, we've been talking the end of book one of the Carrion Crown Adventure Path. Griffin, we just had two boss fights in a row we did and the the whole party survived
1: <laughs> by the skin of your goddamn teeth yeah kind of it was tense in that room by the way <sighs> yeah so you got to you got to sit in on the splatterman fight i i want to go over the mosswater marauder first because we're going to take a little time on the splatterman cuz i think yeah. he was he's a really interesting character but the mosswater marauder was a haunt much like the Piper Marsh and the and Father Charlatan were. He was a haunt, so he was difficult to damage by normal means. Mm-hmm. You needed to do positive energy. Um, didn't have a lot of health, honestly. He was 20 health. Oh, my. But he, We're only doing
0: those D6s off the... Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of how they counteract that with haunts is that Haunts generally don't have a ton of health because they're more meant to be a trap. In these scenarios, I think they're mini-boss fights, but it gets to be like a little bit of a gray area there. Mm -hmm. So you see the Mosswater Marauder appear. Those flaming skulls continue to appear. They tie into his fascination with skulls. That's why he, he went insane and became a murderer. Came home enraged one night beat his wife to death with a hammer. And then he's forever trying to, he he has this sick belief that if he puts her skull back together perfectly, she'll come back. Like he'll be able to get her back and he's missing this piece. And so his whole murdering spree started with him basically crushing people's heads and trying to get a sliver of a skull that fit into this piece. And that's why you see the flaming skull scal- or flaming skulls before they flaming skulls on the table, like they look like they're a puzzle piece of skulls because yeah. he was just killing like guards fight. and trying to put their skulls together when the prison riot happened. He's still insane. He like wasn't trying to escape. That's wacky. So he you all get this headache when you encounter the haunt. His real thing is he makes a touch attack at you. If he hits, you're immediately staggered as this, as you have this splitting pain in your head. And he does like a d8 of negative energy damage. So it's not a ton of damage, but he's staggering you. And that gives the skulls a chance to get into your square without provoking an AOO kind of thing. It's honestly probably the least powerful of the haunts. He's not. We seem to have the easiest time with it. Yeah, because he's kind of sequestered by himself in a room. Mm -hmm. And yes, the skulls continue to respawn. But he's, I mean, you could, if you had a cleric, you could have bursted him down in two channels. Yeah. So. We need a cleric. (laughs) (laughs) You would do a lot better with a cleric. But that's basically it with the Marauder. The real big bad of the entire adventure path. Is the splatter man live from Ustav? It's Splatterday day night, splatter day yeah. night live, <laughs> splatter day night dead. He, I mean, this is this is
0: I really got you with that one.
2: <laughs> it took me a second to understand splatter night dead, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: you got it <laughs> though, it hit, you got it,
0: oh, hit me good.
1: Uh, I'm he's just he's such a such an intense enemy to throw at a party of level three characters Mm -hmm. it blew my mind that this level eight wizard holy shit was thrown at a party of level three characters and he's a fucking ghost so why don't we start with the haunt the haunt that happens it's called uh, a blood writ names And it's where you guys started to, when you were failing your will saves, seeing your names begin to be written on the wall. That's how the Splatterman killed his victims in life. He would slowly write out their name and they would like find letters of their name written somewhere where like somebody else shouldn't be like in their bedroom or something. And he would like quietly stalk these people until he drove them nuts writing their name and then he would kill them. He was big into Twitter. is that why there's bloody letters all over my apartment now? <laughs> G- <laughs> Grim- 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 am I going to get murdered? Uh, well, reach out to the fans. All right. Probably one of them. That's yeah, probably one of those guys. <laughs> so he writes these letters. The-, the haunt is happening, and you're seeing these letters. You're making will saves. Every time a letter is written, it does two points of wisdom damage. That's it. Not the great. interesting part about this haunt, though, is you can attack it with physical weapons. Mm-hmm. You can attack the letters. It's a trick. It's a trick by the Splatterman to get you to damage the walls. I did not oh, wow. pick up that on, on that at all. He's trying to get you to damage the walls because any physical damage done to the haunt does hurt the haunt. But the haunt needs to make a fortitude save at a DC or er, at a zero bonus with a DC of 10 plus the amount of damage you did to the walls. Hmm. If it fails, you have that parts of the ceiling crumble and you all take 3d6 points of damage, which happened. That was brutal. If you had powered that thing down with positive energy, it would have had to roll a 10. Mm -hmm. So it would have been a lot easier with a zero modifier for it to not collapse. Hmm. I think... At that point, it was trying to roll like a 19, and it's like not going to (laughs) happen.
0: And I thought, once we got rid of the letters, I thought it was all over. I was like, Griff, you've been hyping this up for the whole week. I I, I think the the exact phrase you told me, it's it's not if I'm going to kill a party member, it's how many I'm going to kill thankfully didn't come true and then in the moment i was like oh okay we're yeah we're through it that was definitely terrible. definitely thought the same
2: thing and then you came out with the bomb of like five maximized magic missiles or something like that
1: crazy so he is a male old ghost wizard of eighth level honestly his ac isn't great okay 14 14 You could easily hit him if you threw a hammer at him. You could easily hit him, but he doesn't need it because he can just float over that fucking oubliette. Mm -hmm. So he does that, and you guys, as a party, absolutely garbage at range. So I knew that was going to be a huge thing in this fight, was going to be he can move through walls, he can fly, he has perfect flight, it doesn't fucking matter what you guys do, you're not going to be able to hit him well. So he sends out that... You know, those dire rats at the beginning. He could have been a summoning machine but didn't really have to because you guys weren't getting close enough to hit him. Yeah. So, a little bit more about him. He's got great saves as well as at a plus eight. uh, Can't be affected by stuff that uses a fortitude save because he's undead, but his fort's plus five. His reflex plus three, but you guys don't really have anything that targets that. He's got Great spells and meta magic feats that are making him able to. He had two maximized magic missiles prepared, two empowered magic missiles prepared, an empowered summon monster two, which he used for the dire rats. Uh, beyond that, he's got Dispel spell magic. If you tried anything magical, sure, he's got four regular summon monster twos, six magic missiles on top of the other one. So, I that's, that's where I was getting to the point where I'm like, if he runs out of magic missiles, he's going to pull out his most devastating attack, which he did to Matumbe. Which and, we, is his, and we
0: ended the episode.
1: His corrupting touch. <laughs> 6d6 of negative energy damage, fortitude DC 17 to half. That's a hard save for level three characters. Yeah. I mean, even Ikmer probably would have had trouble with that save. And that's just unlimited. That's his melee attack. Dear God. So when Eclipse, as the Lopper rushes up to him with one health left, if I didn't fail that roll, instant death.
0: Yeah, permadeath. Easy.
1: Permadeath. Easy. The Splatterman is this super interesting character because he was so into torture. Mm -hmm. The reason he's splitting up his magic missiles is so that he can basically savor the pain he's doing to you guys. If I played him as his 20 intelligence suggested, I would have just fucking nuked Lyra because I know she can heal. Then I would have nuked Ikmer, and then I would have just corrupting touched the other two to death. And it would have been really easy because I could have done 40 damage to someone guaranteed with the magic missiles. And then I would have had eight more magic missiles. Just making my stomach upset to hear.
2: Yeah, I loved how the Splatter Man, even though he is really intelligent, he's so insane that I feel like it gets past his
1: even instinct to survive, which was yeah. really interesting. Well, he's... He was so confident in life, and he remains that in death. Yes, he's insane, but I think until the very end, he's like, this is child's play. Yeah. And it makes sense that it is. Until the lopper takes over, it was child's play. You guys had done, like, 12 damage to him. Yeah. Also, 62 health.
0: Oh, yeah. No big deal. Just a quick
1: 62 health, um, which he was at one health at, at one point in that fight right before Ikmer tossed the last uh I think he tossed a uh, holy water at him or so or, yeah to kill him it was just again if Ikmer didn't kill him somebody's dead yeah and then the rest of you are going down because you were both at like you and Lyra were at like negative 9 yes i i i think I,
0: I think i maxed out at, the worst i was at was at negative 9 lyra was worse
1: um, but I, I, I there was that negative eleven, and taking and that the bleed twenty damage. was the only thing that could save her. Yeah. So the bleed damage is interesting. That's all me. You son of a bitch. <laughs> and the reason I did that was because I didn't want to gimp him by playing him stupid, mm-hmm. which was happening. So as as I played him, he's spreading the magic missiles out and spelling your names. Yep. And your names are what's causing the bleed damage, which is, you know, thematically what he would have done, in in a torture sense. So, I thought it was an interesting mechanic. I thought it was interesting when you kind of started keying off of the name for a minute and like worrying about it. There wasn't really a mechanic if your entire name got spelled, other than the fact that Matumbe is a long name and that would have been a lot of bleed damage fair, for a round, fair amount, yeah. That'd be terrible. <laughs> so. So that was just like an interesting little thing. Bleed damage is really cool when Uh you're you're this big bad that's doing like massive amounts of damage and everything's bleeding and nothing can stabilize. It makes it like way more dire, in my opinion. Like there's no there's no save to get out of it.
0: Yeah it 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 makes it makes going down not just bad but absolutely terrifying because there's nothing you can do and it's all on your your friends to help you out. Yeah, terrifying.
2: Did you have a plan for when? A name was completely spelled out.
1: I didn't think I'd get there honestly. Oh, okay. All right, um, I was gonna do the same wisdom damage that they were taking from the prior thing. Okay, if somebody okay. had the full, so you you take wisdom damage, and then your name would start spelling somewhere else as he hit you more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but honestly, if like someone's doing like two letters to go in my apartment,
0: <laughs> I only oh, have no. like two letters to go. It's bad.
2: <laughs> was it Matumbe or Steve? No, it's my it's my real name. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> My character name, God. <laughs> at least it's long. Yeah, I guess that's true.
0: Tim is a yeah. longer name than Steve.
2: Yeah, Tim good. would be rough. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you would have to really lean hard into the Timothy, yeah, right. or at least hope it's Timothy, not Tim. <laughs> Does it
2: know?
1: Yeah. Well, you'd only know if it, you know. I know got spelled days later. It's true. But, but if that, anything more on this guy, I mean, we got to get to some listener mail. We do. I agree with you. How are you feeling having beat that guy? I, I f-
0: it's I, 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 it's complicated emotions I'm having right now. I'm happy that we that we that we defeated him. I am ecstatic that everybody made it through that fight. But I, it's the you know the final big bad of book one, and it, w- it I I think I've said it for a few of these big encounters recently, where everyone has almost died. That. That was a game-changer episode. I'm jealous of the listeners right now. We're recording this in the past, and I haven't gotten to listen to that episode yet, but all the listeners who are listening to this episode have already listened to the other episode. Yep. I'm oh, jealous of you guys. My all. brain hurts. Yeah. The timeline is so fucked. Timeline timeline's fucked. Yeah. But it. I think this is one that the fans are going to be talking about for a long time. Well, we're we're going to be talking about it for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it for yeah. a long time. It's- yeah. Even though it was like midnight, we were
2: like... All jazzed up talking about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a long recording session, a long episode. You all hung in there. And honestly, a lot of, in my opinion, what I did was delay a character death. Yes. I didn't, you know, I, I, some of you might call it pulling a punch when I let the lopper take over, but. In the grand scheme of things, it was 13 damage on a 62 health creature when everybody was down and it didn't kill him. In my opinion, it was a really cool thing that I get to use now. (laughs) Yeah, And I'm willing to pay that price for the, you know, potentially saving three characters' lives. And the Lopper, he's gonna make it out of the prison. Well, I think that's an interesting concept. There was a very distinct point in that combat where I started playing the Lopper as having realized that the Splatterman's not going to get him out of the prison. Mm-hmm. And Eclipse is going to get him out of the prison. And so he turned on him. Why? Just like evil people do, evil prisoner people do. I mean, they have a long history, the Splatterman and the Lopper. And he turned on his buddy. We're just getting to know Vance. Just getting to know him. Just getting to know him. That's why they say never make a deal with the GM. Never fuck the GM. He's going to corrupt your character.
0: (laughs) Speaking about fucking the GM, let's get to some listener mail. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's this type of listener mail, huh? Yes. uh, It's going to get hot and heavy in here. It is already hot and heavy in the studio. I am burning up. Yeah, it's Uh, a little warm. Regret the sweatshirt. Yeah, that was a questionable play all right so our first question comes from a listener in our discord remember all of you guys out there if you're in our Discord community hit up that zone of truth channel we will answer your questions and if we don't get to them you know they're gonna come up on a later show we don't delete the questions all right
1: yeah we don't delete the questions and you know i don't want to say it like this because i love the questions from everywhere Mm mm-hmm but I really love getting the questions from the people in the Discord because they're people that we talk to yeah. directly all the, time. all the time. And it's fun to be like, oh, hey, that's my buddy so-and-so that I talked with like, you know, yesterday about this, which is going to come up in these questions. I'm really excited for it. Anyway. Cool. Hop, Here hop we go. on the first one. All right. So
0: I got a question that I actually was saving for when we got Tim in the studio. This is a question from a, from a, uh, a user... Hesat? Hesat?
1: I think it's he-sat. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Give me that pronunciation guide. Uh, Spell yeah, it, it phonetically for me, he-sat.
0: Yeah, uh, he-sat. Hit us up uh, in that Discord community. Use the hashtag, uh, phonetically sound out my username, and uh, we'll know how to phonetically sound out your
1: username. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we won't fuck it up next time you, to, you send us a question.
0: Yes. Have you found yourselves repeating the way you act in the podcast with a non-podcast game? Now obviously tim definitively not on the podcast we all know this for sure um until now until now Uh,
1: you're only on the that shitty auxiliary podcast (laughs) truth you're not you're not well actually he is in the main event actually that's true good amount of the time all right throw the whole
0: thing out uh no just kidding so have you found yourself repeating the way you act in the podcast, with a non-podcast, uh, in a non-podcast game. So I do believe that Brooks, Emily, and my role playing has changed because of this show.
1: Yeah, yeah. You would be the judge of that. Because tell you have me now, or and after?
2: <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, so we just finished up our Rise of the Rune Lords game. Uh, what was that? January?
1: Yeah, uh, and, yeah like the second weekend you were you yeah. living here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the game
2: room for, for Saturday. <laughs> and so you all, I could already tell from that game that you wanted to do some like a lot more with your characters. At that point, we kind of had already gotten into the late game, so you there was a little less to do. But starting over from scratch, I do see a real difference in. The type of characters you all are making and the type of backstories one of those is maybe surprising but it comes into being a lot more flexible with your backstory sure and i think um you know you must have whether it be from the podcast or other types of things like i I think griffin is a big fan on his podcast of incorporating story in in a way that will surprise the players and so a lot of the times that requires a flexible backstory in order to uh, push that forward in your main campaign. And so I think um, with your new characters, I see it a lot more where you, you have an interesting backstory that mm-hmm. kind of justifies your character uh, in how they act, but isn't just like a solid unmovable wall of yeah. backstory. I totally you
1: know? I I totally get that from them in them creating the characters even for this podcast where it's just like they've given me so many hooks. Yeah. And I think I think I'm guessing they've done the same in our return campaign. Right. It's just they, they've given me so many juicy hooks that I can use or I could just throw aside, but they're there. Mm-hmm. And that makes a good backstory in my opinion as a GM is a backstory that is a solid thing good to work off of and makes the character who they are but also has 30 different directions you can take it i i I know
0: we've all made this mistake before when creating characters and i certainly have Um, but early in my ttrpg history i would make a character that had a a a very firm i to me backstory was i need the motivation and it's got to be solid my character wants to do this specific thing it might not be conducive to the story, so I've definitely changed the way I build characters to be: Hey, here are some things that happened in my character's past that uh, that justifies his or her actions. Now, like,
1: let's take that and run with it. And I, th- I think yeah. I think there's stuff that's happening, like even in you and me as players mm-hmm. in Dead Sons, for instance. We had our first fucking flashback in Dead Sons. In five books, and it was like, and my that's like a direct twenty minutes. I feel like that's like a Dead direct Suns result on. of the stuff that we're doing on this podcast. It's like it feels like every couple of episodes, we just have this like juicy nugget of role play or story or a flashback that seems to be happening because you guys are so excited about your characters. But I thought on Dead Sons, Steve's character is Bosk, a lizard man. Yes, and. We had this insane flashback into his past that, you know, Steve wrote up and Haley read. And I don't think that would have happened if we hadn't started podcasting. I also don't think the conversation that happened between the doc and the doc is my character and Bosk would have happened the way we were playing it pre us going on to the podcast. I mean, we really like churn and burn the first couple of books. And yeah, there was some RP, but it was nowhere near the level where it's starting to get there's there's no way yeah we would have played it that way if if we hadn't learned to tell a better story because we want a story that people want to listen to
2: yeah
0: yeah and we just you know to put out the show we have to we have to we have to bring our A game with with you know keep keep keeping the audience at home invested in these characters having them be dynamic having them be interesting and i think when we started doing the show we're like you know we're playing a lot of a lot of games outside of the show and we wanted to bring that energy and that inspiration for our own games for yeah, fun. I think I
1: think that's part of the magic and when you when you can bring that to your home game that's the magic of i mean like the the crunchiness of the system and everything is great and we love it but all of these are role playing games and when you can bring your a game to the home game i think that changes the game and now Tim See, you've been shouting a lot on the
0: show from across the room. Have you found yeah. yourself doing that in your other games now? I think so. In fact, uh, we've gotten some neighbor complaints yeah. on Wednesday nights. <laughs>
2: yeah, um I'll try and tone it back, but it's hard for me not to just stand up and yell
1: Michael <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, can I tell that story that I think you time? should yeah
1: give it give I it a think qu- you give it a should.
2: Quick, uh, go ahead. Great moment from uh Return of the Rune Lords. The, the best RP moment potentially we've ever had. It's a little bit more difficult to recreate on radio, so it's one of those like home game only type of situations probably. But uh yeah, you got a beer right there. I I, I could try it, I
0: suppose. Hard trigger That's warning to team
2: no sleep on this one. <laughs> uh so there's a there's a player who uh, or a character rather, that died um when They were out sailing, and they play an important role in Return of the Rune Lords, and they have to say a few choice words because they're, you know, out of their right mind and all that, but they're also supposed to sound um, like they're gurgling and drowning at the same time, Mm -hmm. so I took some beer in my mouth and uh, tried
0: to say some lines while gargling. So we're going to do that. Um, Be careful. If, If you don't like this ASMR, turn it off oh god it's so much worse on radio (laughs) (laughs) oh
1: god so that's that's kind of how those lines went and so it's become a little bit of a joke he literally sat there with beer in his mouth for a minute (laughs) he repeated it like a second time he had like six things he needed to get out and say i don't know how you were breathing that was wild (laughs) it was wicked (laughs)
0: That is become that my yeah. favorite new inside joke. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. but I think that about answers yeah, that, that about answers it. it. with a little, little extra tangents. hit from right. every angle.
0: Just uh, just remember he sat, has sat. Tell us how to pronounce your name next time, all right? All right, moving on. GCP Aaron asks, Top fictional characters, one friend, one foe you would enjoy seeing can be from books, comics, TV, movies. So this person is trying to, you know. Inject some heroes and villains into our story, and who would we pick? Who wants to go first?
1: I'd be happy to. Go right ahead, Griff. If we're talking carrying crown, which is how I kind of interpreted this, what fictional characters would I love to see in that setting? My friend and who I would want in my party is Ash Williams from Evil Dead, played by Bruce fucking Campbell. He is a gunslinger. He has a fucking chainsaw.
0: Done. Yeah, You told me this one earlier, and I thought it was the best. I thought it was
1: just a perfect (laughs) fit. So much fun. The Whispering Way would fucking eat lead. Oh, it would be beautiful. As far as foe, now, there are already some very interesting foes coming up in this AP, but I gotta give it to Captain Spaulding from House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, you've seen those movies, he is the clown. He always wears grease paint. And it's really weird because he runs this like it's like a sideshow attraction in middle of fucking nowhere, Texas. It's a basically museum dedicated to the occult and strange. And he has like a murder ride and Mm -hmm. they they talk about like Mr. Satan and shit. And you never find out in that movie until the end that he's, like, orchestrating the family that is in the House of a Thousand Corpses, this serial murdering family. He's this charismatic dude running—well, his two great loves are killing people and fucking fried chicken. Oh, right. That's great. The, the musea, oh, it's a museum and fried chicken stand. Okay, there is a scene in these movies where he has sex with somebody in his full grease paint. He never takes it off. Ugh. this guy is a fucking psychopath, and I love him, so that would be my evil guy. I would love to reprise him over audio. It'd be so much fun that would that
0: would that would be a very cool natural addition to or uh, to, to to the
1: group of murders in Harrowstone I could easily see oh yeah yeah I it. really should have I really should have thrown a captain Spaulding character mm-hmm. in there that would have been great be a lot of fun
0: Tim who would you add to the show uh,
1: so we're talking uh, fictional
2: characters I went with um, a character from a book series called the stormlight archives which is a Brandon Sanderson book uh, I think it's his newest epic book books sure. uh, he's known for like Mistborn and stuff and his um one of the characters the book one of the books entirely focuses on this character who's and I've always loved this archetype for a good character he's like an older fighter type character yeah who used to be a um a, a person obsessed with bloodlust and fighting and now that he's gotten older a realizes that that's not really sustainable and as an older commander has to deal with um all of the um the stress of having responsibility and having people look up to you and also not being quite as physically fit anymore so has to be smarter tactically and still hold his own among an army of young people uh mm-hmm. and so i really love that his name's is dalinar and um I'd love to see that I'd love to play that as a
1: character where it's kind of um,
2: you're maybe past your prime
1: yeah like the old warrior archetype is yeah. so much yeah. like that just be so much fun to play starting yeah.
0: to get some joint pain yeah exactly bad fun to role play too to be yeah, honest yeah it's really yeah. fun to role
1: play yeah. especially played, if you take the actual like you know age
0: the penalties, yeah. penalties. Uh, that's yeah. great yeah,
1: it yeah. sucks as a warrior but yeah
0: that's cool man I, I can dig it yeah I might then, have to uh, get these books a a good old read. I'd highly recommend
1: it.
2: They're really long. I'm a slow reader, but it took me like a year just to read read them. Might and be I had it.
0: hour commutes.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> you drink a lot too, so I don't know. Oh yeah, it's not how easy is going to just... be for you to remember what you just read? I don't know. I so usually I do, do read does... a lot.
0: We need to we need to start a Matumbo uh, book club. Matumbo book club. book club. It's book all that.
1: the bones laid in a every
0: month. <laughs> I just would uh, drive the fans away immediately. <laughs>
2: We should have a uh, hideous laughter Goodreads uh, list reading list though. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, we, we should, should can,
1: definitely we should do that. that. We should put that together. I do that. Yeah.
0: If, if, if you if you want to hear that um,
1: hashtag, what's in Bay's library? We could we could yeah we could throw that up in the Discord or something. Yeah. That'd be fun.
2: Yeah. Uh, foe wise, um, I would choose my favorite foe from Star Wars, which would be Darth Bane. Just the coolest. Yeah. Just one of those you you know you're used to Star Wars and you're used to how the Sith work and you know at least if you are where I was when I read the Bane trilogy you're kind of like you have the original trilogy there's a small amount of Sith and blah 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 you have the Old Republic stuff there's tons of Sith everywhere and you're kind of piecing together how that all works and then you read the Dark Bane trilogy and this badass comes along and just changes the rules Mm -hmm. and he's like He's like the bad guy that other bad guys fear and you don't know what side he's on. Like if you were a Sith at that time, you'd probably like think you're the bad guy, Mm -hmm. you know, but Darth Bane, you know, I don't know how to describe it.
1: I don't know. I I could, I
0: I could talk about these three books for conservatively a year. I love, well, I love Star Wars in general. I've read all the books. Um, but i I've read through these more than once they're they're a lot of fun he's he's a he's a, he's a complex character across the three books they really dive into his arc where um he, he's, he just has a terrible childhood gets but he but he shows force sensitivity gets drafted into the into the sith imperial army yeah um, becomes a, a badass completely ends up destroying the sith order from the inside and remaking it in his way starting the rule of two and he's a totally relatable
2: character like you understand why he's doing what he's doing and you know it's horrible but because you're with there you're there with him the whole time you feel like you can emphasize like empathize with that and you feel like what he's doing is totally justifiable. Yeah. And and that's pretty rare, I think, for enemies that are that, oh, I'm a big bad guy type of guy.
0: I also love the parallel between um, you, between your 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 friend and your foe here because Darth Bane also across that trilogy goes into the – he becomes middle-aged, then becomes kind of an old guy, and he, he's running with his apprentice, Darth Zana, and – it's great. It's fucking cool. Yeah. And he starts doubting her. He, he's remaking the Sith order. It's so fucking good. Read those books, guys. And uh, also, anybody out there that wants to talk Star Wars, I will talk to Star, talk Star yeah. Wars with you
1: forever. As is right. tradition, when they started talking Star Wars, I took a dinger. Yes. That was <laughs> ambitious, man. Hitting the, the bourbon dingers.
0: Bourbon dingy. That would make me vomit right now. That would kill me. But well, I also... Oh, go ahead. And you're I was going to say, what else you got for us? Well, I, I, I have characters, too. Yeah, I've been yeah. waiting to hear them. All right. So, my friend, I did want to do some Star Wars, but I thought that might be a little expected, so I, I pivoted. No, uh, really? Yeah, from yeah. From the guy wearing yeah. an
1: Empire Strikes Back t-shirt?
0: Yes, I love it. Um, the character that I would love to see in this story is Michonne from The Walking Dead. I Oh, yeah, love she her. would fuck shit up so hard. I think that well she's just a very complex character in general but i think her like walking into the story with her katana and two like zombies following her and on the chains with their arms cut off and their jaw missing would fit so naturally into this game
1: oh like you're not wrong at all she she could be a
0: pc or an an npc tomorrow yeah i agree with her um and then the foe that I wanted to introduce is the namesake of my favorite comic series ever. It's the nail biter. Um, I, I highly suggest anybody that likes our podcast, our, our horror, and also likes comics to so check those out. There are like eight books total. I mean, may, I think maybe there's six. There's six books total. Um, it, it, it centers around this fictional town by Portland, Oregon that has Oregon, Oregon, uh, not Oregon, Oregon, I'm just getting so passionate about nail fighter. I always do. Um, it, it has an unnatural amount of serial killers. There's like 17 or something in the town and it, which is statistically unlikely. And people are trying to figure out why that is. And the, the last killer, um, is a guy called the Nailbiter who, who like captures people and chews their fingers off. The comic is disgusting. Um, but he starts filling a role like a very Hannibal Lecter type role where they've got him captured they're trying to figure out what he knows and why his town is the way he is and through the entire series you never can really get your finger on ah get your well, finger it on he hit it off on um, huh. what this character's true intentions are Cause cause he's helping people, but then he's hurting people and it's all messed up. It's, it's weird. I love it so much. Nice. Everybody at home, at least go look at the cover of the first issue of Nailbiter. It's disgusting.
2: Now let's start a new AP with these characters. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Cool. All right.
1: That'd be great. I uh, mean, can I bring the chainsaw? Cause fuck, I will make an ash from evil dead <laughs> iron gods,
0: chainsaw,
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: iron gods, ash. That's
0: the best idea. I love it. Let's make it happen. Next question. I'm already ankle deep in the swamp, Steve. the 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 waters are rising, and I think this is going to be the last question we hit tonight because we are bumping up against time here. But this is coming from our uh, our good friend in our Discord, Buster Knuckle slash Blister Lister. What are uh, the mods? Be? What are the mods? The few, the proud. Great the, name, uh, by the way. absolutely great name, and one of the. Uh, one of the members of our uh, hideous laughter podcast ethi- ethics and compliance team. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So he has a question that he wants to throw in the ring. If horse croon at horse croon, I right, copied. The that's me. Discord. That's me. Yeah. That's, that's this guy over here uh, was not the GM and had a PC in the current AP. What would you play C- class race, et cetera. Um, this is, this is a targeted question to Griffin, but I also do want to extend this to Tim as well. Cause I'm, I, I, I just want to hear it. What holes do we have in the party? What do we got to fill?
1: You want to hit this first? You want me to hit it? Yeah, sure. I'll take it it
0: first. I think, you know, a little exemplified
2: by the last combat, but it happens with a lot of parties. Mm -hmm. You need somebody with uh, ranged power. And I would love to play in this setting like a crossbow, whether that be like a dual crossbow or like the Van Helsing automatic crossbow type uh, character. So I was thinking about... uh, You know, what type, what this would look like. Van Helsing's human. It's hard to go away from human. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I might, I might span that out if I think about it a little bit more. But I could go with like a Slayer Inquisitor uh, with uh, crossbow feats and and, and go down that tree. Or I could take uh, the, uh, a page from the book of uh, The Witcher or the video game series The Witcher. Sure. Where he does a lot of like preparation before combat and he kind of knows his enemies. and, And so I felt. That Slayer or maybe investigator or alchemist would be uh fun. To, be super you know, cool. Apply poisons and, and brew potions to prepare you for a fight.
1: But have you heard of the vampire hunter class? I have. I that one's so juicy. I mean, it is. It it kind of fits that I think they get like the hand the the hand crossbow proficiency and shit too. Yeah. I think that's their model for a Van Helsing type character. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's really that good. I think they wrote it as like a, like Pizo officially published it, they, I think, they but did. it was for, it was, va- it was a supplement for some Vampire Hunter D book or something.
2: Yeah, it was something. I, yeah. I mean, it's Paizo official, but it's kind of one of those weird.
1: It's weird. Like it never government. gets any updates or any of that yeah. stuff. like, so like the good. gentleman
0: class.
2: Well, yeah. The, yeah. the, <laughs> the, the gentleman, gentleman, class, gentleman class.
1: class. Fuck's sakes, I Forgot about that. <laughs> All right. At Horsecream. Well, I think it's so appropriate that Buster Knuckle asked this question because I'm currently playing what I would like to play in this campaign in his evil campaign play-by-post on our Discord. It is a Dampire Blood Rager. Ooh, baby. With the undead bloodline. That's great. Oh, man. I just want to... I want to... We... We've kind of explored this and we're exploring it with Eclipse. The The thought of becoming the thing that you've set out to destroy and that, like being a vampire in this setting, I just feel like would be so thematically juicy. Like you're healed by negative energy. You're basically part undead. Really easy to turn evil you naturally are inclined that way and then blood rager is just a class i fucking love i i never ever got to play one and i built so many it's one of those classes that i'm like really excited to play around with i think would be really fun in here not optimal for the party <laughs> setup obviously <laughs> because what would that make it our fourth uh, melee combatant yeah, but, yeah sounds like it yeah but i feel like it would be it would be great role play with a character like Ikmer who is really taking the hits, having an actual character that like smashes, like really, really smashes. Like Matumbe does that to an extent, but Matumbe is so much more like, I have a spell for this situation. Yeah, I'm willing to sit back and like toss Disrupt Undeads. A character like a Blood Rager would yeah. just like fucking tear things in half. That would be great really get some f- some fucking damage output well eclipse i think is kind you of that put character it up, right yeah. now
0: yeah but i mean we're moving out of book one things are gonna change things who knows get- who knows what's gonna happen
1: oh, Ch- Ch- changes.
0: <laughs> and on that note i think we have to wrap this up all right it's about that time listen tim wh- where can people find you discord right
2: yeah, I spend most of my time on the Discord. It's pretty convenient for me, and I love uh, chatting up the TTRPG talk uh, area, general, of course, and Croon's Cooking Corner. Ooh! Um, but there's a lot of different channels. You mentioned the uh, the actual play or the uh, sorry play by what's post it called? play by post. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, we're starting there. those
1: up in the Discord now. So so all
2: that stuff's really fun to read, and uh, I love hanging on the Discord. My my tag there is is Lover sixty nine.
0: That's a, great, um, that's a great tag.
2: That surprisingly made it before this
1: podcast came out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't know how that happened. Well, it used to be Shaq Lover69. He <laughs> updated Lo- it, yeah. Shaq Shaq playing that iconic character Matumbe really sold for it for yeah. you. <laughs> it was Shazam Lover69 until it became Matumbe Lover69. Yeah. Kazam. Kazam. Jesus. I am Kazam. Alright.
0: Tim. One of the best people. Thanks for coming on. You know, we're going to have you Thank back. you so much for coming on. One of the best people. Thanks One of my for favorite listening, people. Listening, carrying ever. crowd. Until next time, Griffin, is there anything you want to say to our fans?
1: Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later.